We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have a really, really fun guest, Brandon Neely. Um, And we actually talked before we started recording about how he was a Black Box listener and really enjoyed the podcast. So awesome to hear. Thank you, Brandon, again. Um, But basically, today, Brandon's going to talk about infinite banking and i guess just his overall life journey so far um he has some really great analogies some really great takes on things that we just kind of take for granted or accept in today's society but yeah just a really really fun time uh for me and john and yeah yeah, i uh... i we know brandon's listening so thank you brandon uh and we hope you guys uh, actually, no, John, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that uh, we kind of get another opinion on infinite banking through like whole life policies. So, you know, that's a really advantageous tool that Brandon goes into how he uses it. And there's a lot of good information there because that's just, you know, a long term investment vehicle that people could uh, use to their advantage. But it's not really spoken about that much. Yeah, but that's all sure. I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess... Uh, we could just get right into it. Yeah, you don't want to hear just us talk. Let's get Brandon <laughs> talking. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Brandon. Uh, thanks for, so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, we were we were just speaking, and Brandon uh, was, told us that he enjoyed listening to us, which I guess was. A really, really good feeling, uh, but Brandon, <laughs> well, we'll give you the floor. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you want me to share. I've been uh, here. I'm a kind of a reluctant financial person. Uh, I did not get into this in the idea of I. I think I can make a whole lot of money and and serve my family. Uh, I got into it more because um, how. I saw the the financial world uh, going, and uh, how the, the the tools and things that I use have helped me overcome opportunity or or get opportunities and overcome obstacles because I've had a, quite a few of them in my former business. Um, but yeah, I have uh, been doing this for a while, but uh, really, I want to educate people to learn how to think for themselves because the world is telling us all these things to think through and do. Um, and everybody has a plan for your money. Um, how about we actually build our own plan for our money and future? All right. Like um, one, first off, love the shirt. Hopefully uh, oh, thanks. everyone thanks. will be able to see it because we're recording video. <laughs> Uh, I did uh, ask him it. I was like, it's Saturday. Should I wear uh, casual? Uh, and I was like, I'm going to wear my banana shirt for today. We, we keep fun. it strictly casual here. <laughs> but uh, um, on a more serious note, I guess. So are you primarily do real estate now? But what were you always trying to be a business owner? You said you had uh, a coffee shop. So you yeah. started a small business owner? Or? I I first started as, I was one in the Marine Corps in, as a kid, younger. Uh, did that, wanted to make a Thank difference. You. Uh, think, but, you know, it was fun. Uh, then I went in the music industry. Uh, that was amazing, kind of. Uh, learned a lot of what, you know, how the industry really works and got out of that industry because I saw a lot of things that... Um, maybe you're in the news now sometimes that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's totally true. And I've been there. So I've seen it, um, yeah. you know, with certain celebrities and things like that got out of that. Uh, my wife and I really wanted to make a difference still. And so we started an ethical coffee shop. We didn't have any rich relatives. We didn't have a, uh, uncle that had a million dollars to give us a loan. We started with, uh, an idea Post 2008 and 2011, uh, most people said, don't do it because that's crazy. And I was an idealistic entrepreneur. So I did anyway, uh, took on a lot of credit card debt to do it. 
And it was one of the hardest things we ever did. But I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do, more of what not to do than what to do uh, in that business. And we sold it and uh, and then moved into the financial services after that, which is kind of random to move in from coffee yeah. to financial services. Before before we talk about um, your financial financial services work, which I feel like will probably be the bulk of this, I just wanted to ask about the coffee shop. Yep. Can you tell us like what you did differently than other coffee shops? Yeah. So coffee is the second most widely traded commodity in the world. Americans, the number one consumer, right? Um, and for us, we wanted to change the world still. We wanted to make a difference. So we said buying ethical coffee and building community. That was our thing. Our business name for the coffee shop was Overflow. Uh, we wanted to flow into like the community of the world and make a difference there. Right. And cause if, if we help in those ways, if people in Guatemala are helped, it should make a feedback loop where we help others. Right. And that's the problem in our world today. Too many people are selfish and focusing up on just themselves and not seeing the implications of the, their community or family, even uh, of what their actions are to the other things. What I learned is I went too far in one extreme that we didn't take care of ourselves, right? We were not taking care of the upward thing where a lot of business owners or even philanthropists are all about what can I get out of it and not who cares about the impact, right? As long as I get money, right? And so that yeah. was part of the, the challenge. But at the same time, I'm like, we, we, when we sold the business, we had a major flood, which I used my uh, financial wisdom at the time. I didn't even know it was to overcome the flood. I also found out that my wife was pregnant and that was a big shift of saying, okay, I can do eat ramen all day and that's okay. Uh, maybe, but, but not healthy. Yeah. Um, but I cannot do that for uh, a child. Yeah. Right. And so I had to make some shifts. Okay. Um, I guess at the time of opening up the shop and racking up this credit card debt, d did you have the knowledge you had now or was it like that whole experience kind of shifted you then into the financial services and then learning about this stuff and doing what you do now? I definitely didn't have the knowledge. Uh, I went with the mainstream. I've read, you know, uh, who is it like Dave Ramsey books and, and who the, the other book, uh, by the other big author who's well, the Dave Ramsey is the one that says, don't get in debt, right? Yeah. Don't get in debt. And then you have, uh, Susie Orman. My wife had a whole book on Susie Orman, put all your money into 401ks, do all this stuff. So we did everything right. Yeah. Right. Uh, we did, we went into the, we didn't know about the fire movement, financial independence, retire yeah. early. But apparently we did the retire early before the financial independence <laughs> because we quit our jobs yeah, yeah. Uh, to start this business that didn't make us a lot of money. Um, we were living off of tips, right? So we learned a lot of what not to do. And I remember in one of my conversations with our, our attorney, we're going to grow this empire, right? This coffee empire. And my uh, we'd taken care of all of our debts. We did the Dave Ramsey thing, but my, um, my lawyer, uh, or friend at the time, he's like, so how much are you paying yourself? It's like, I, I know you're, you're doing all the right things, but how much are you paying yourself? And I was like, well, let's not talk about that. Uh, the, and I felt like kind of like small, like we created a business that is making quite a bit of money, at least in my eyes. Uh, and, and that was a learning experience of saying, okay, am I paying myself? Right. You weren't really at the time. I mean, we were, but not, you know, if, if you're a Starbucks manager, you're going to probably get paid more than we were. Right. Okay. And we needed to make sure we're being paid the rate of a manager. Right. And that was, that's a hard thing as a business owner. That's why profit first. Uh, that's another system I use huge proponent for profit first for every business owner. They need to read that book. 
what is what is like uh i guess one thing about the book like a general theme that you think the book conveys yeah so have you guys ever heard of profit first by the way no i haven't so every business owner and there's a there's another book called profit first for real estate investors right so money is going to come into you right if you're a business owner or in general um, a lot of times what Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First says, oh, is, in the yeah, he, he says it, you can create a cash eating monster, meaning it's always going to ask for money. Right. And so what you want to do is create a cash flow system that works. So, you know how you put into the market and you want a you want a, re, a return, right? You want Tesla to do well. And you get dividends, Mm -hmm. right? That's how it works, right? That's why we want that and why big business is growing and why they keep growing and why the little guys are not, right? So think about it. If you start a business, uh, shouldn't you get dividends off of that, right? Shouldn't you get uh, that? So so what what he says is the target allocation percentages, 50% should go to owner's pay. 30% 30% to OPEX, 15% towards taxes because taxes come every year, uh, and 5% towards um, profit. That's target allocation percentages. So I'm using a percentage model, kind of like Dave Ramsey, um, but doing it in a way that I know what my um, taps are or what my uh, OPEX is. So I can run a lean business and and still make sure I'm pay, taking care of myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, what, you're just saying that you got to make sure that you have everything already allocated by the time it's coming in or get a feel for how to allocate that stuff instead yeah. of just going with the flow and being like, all right, I'll, I'll pay myself when I can. Yeah, and most businesses say I'll pay myself when I can, especially startups, right? Mm-hmm build this muscles systems early on. If you're going to be a, a, cause then you're just creating side hustles and, um, entrepreneurism as opposed to entrepreneurism. So what, what I tell people is become the CFO of your business or life. Even if doing the same system, if you're, you don't run a business thinking about money coming through. Cause you, cause even if you have a family kind of like a business, Money's coming in. You want to make sure that money doesn't go out more than you spend. That's the Dave Ramsey way. Um, but be smart. Most people are sleepwalking. Probably in most cases, the extent to which most people go is just have like a low key budget, like a rough outline of what's going on. But you most know, most people don't have a budget. Don't even have a budget. I'm saying, and if they do, it's usually just like a rough outline. Mm-hmm. But the the like control I feel like I have over my finances since I started tracking everything, yep. you know, multiple metrics, net worth, all that. What uh, do you use to track? I actually just use like Excel sheets that I've programmed and stuff, but I, I love uh YNAB. You need a budget YNAB? is a really good uh, software. And I use YNAB because we, we budget, and and take look at like we take care of my mother-in-law so we have her budget in there uh we also have our business budget we do infinite banking uh so we have a family banking uh bucket that shows all of our life insurance policies and how much cash value we have and how we can deploy it for certain things uh and then we also have our personal budget so we we love it because because again, if you don't have a plan for your money, someone else does. That's okay. a good way to put it. Okay. I uh, now that you mentioned infinite banking, um, and I just wanted to ask you to just explain explain it, um, just because I don't think I have the best understanding of it, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone out there that also probably feels this way. But yeah. Uh, you, you said it, that's like your that's one of the largest parts of your life right that's what you do for work 
kind of? Yeah, now, now. So, so I'll take you back to when I had the coffee shop, right? Um, it would be ridiculous for me. And, and I was a business owner, right? So there's no company matches. I don't have a 401k match. I mean, that would be like me matching myself. Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. And then I would be taking out money to invest in the market whenever I need to invest in myself. Right. And looking at it, it's all one wallet, right? All of our money is all one wallet. And, and we need to look at that as one wallet, not just in silos. The The problem is our system is built to confuse us uh, and to keep us in chaos. Um, one of our acronyms is uh, that we thought about is it's confusing, haphazard, anxious, overwhelming, and stressful, right? That's the world that we're in. I don't want chaos. I want to be able to know really well what I can do and what's going to work. Right. And so, uh, I, I was watching this documentary, uh, in our coffee shop, uh, with that, that I heard about, it's called banking with life. And my wife and I were still savers. We needed to save. We put it into a savings account. We were our biggest risk, right? Something happens to us. We're screwed. Right. So we needed to have a good place of saving contingency capital in case something happens. We watched this documentary. We said, oh, crap. We, how come no one told us about this? Why aren't we doing this? Uh, I thought this was only for the rich people. You know, I didn't know that we could do this. So we immediately talked to uh, now my mentor, but uh, the guy that was hosting the documentary and said, I want to know more. Went through this. We saved um, four hundred a bucks, four hundred dollars a month each into a policy, a life insurance policy, whole life, properly designed, uh, not an index universal life or any of that. A properly designed whole life insurance that is built the infinite banking way with a banking yourself advisor that was key to us that we were able to leverage and use. So we. 800 bucks a month was a lot of money, but that was our emergency fund and savings, right? Yep. Um, and we, we used it to take care of high interest debt. We used it to uh, an emergency in the building, like literally the coffee shop, they had the roof off and a flood happened. Uh, and my store got flooded, right? And I needed capital. Was the roof already off and then it flooded? The roof- or the roof was off and then we had one of those freak storms and my staff called me and said, you need to come here. The store is falling apart. You, you want to talk about dreams falling apart? Literally, Literally in front of your eyes, in front of my eyes. I'm like, what the heck are we going to do? And then from that experience, I found out my wife was two months pregnant later. You know, it was like definitely not good to be doing that. Not good timing. <laughs> But I used my policy to overcome that emergency, the savings. Whereas if I would put it into other assets, I wouldn't have, I would have had not had accessibility to that. Now there's a cost to the loan, right? 5% simple interest, right? That's cheaper than using a credit card to get out of the emergency. 23%. Yeah. 17, 23. Because of that, I was able to overcome it. Now, do I get 400 bucks when I put in initially? No, my access to capital was uh, 200, right? Or 250 right from the beginning. But I did have 250 of a, almost like a line of credit, if you will. And I still protected any, if something happened to me, because I'm the greatest asset. And every person I will tell you, uh, and I think this is why the system is wrong. Um, you are your greatest asset, right? Why do the rich do this and protect their greatest assets? You know, why is insurance? We, we, we will insure our car. We'll insure everything else. Why wouldn't you insure the cash uh, creating thing that you have, which is you. So anyway, does that answer kind of, kind of a big broad uh, stroke of using properly designed whole life, as the cash component to be able to use and use for other things. What are like the daily requirements from you for infinite banking or is it minimal? You would say 
Yeah. So as I build policies for people, I think about it again, it's all one wallet, right? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your accomplishments? Things that you want to do, right? Uh, if you want to go into real estate, this works amazing with real estate investing because we are thinking, what's the, co- the cost of capital, right? How can I do this and make a um, make a ROI, right? The Fed is increasing interest rates right now, right? Um, why are they doing that? Well, because people have been doing crazy stuff with all of this money and they're raising interest rates and they, the cash flow is going to shrink, right? So if I can use my policy cash value at a lower interest rate than something else, wouldn't that make sense, right? So there's always a cost for money. Are you acting as a financier, like your own? Yeah, I I would say I'm doing both. I I think kind of the way I think about it is I'm wearing two different hats. And, And the other thing I think about is don't do what the banks tell you to do, do what the banks do. Why do the banks do this? And why are they saying that? And why are they the richest, the most profitable business in the world, right? Um, they use other people's money that you put in. They give you no interest on your, your savings. And then they get they charge you 20%. Couldn't you do that? So thinking through how do I be the bank? And as I'm thinking about this, I'm saving for retirement for my future, right? Future me, and you and you have to almost like visualize this. Future me is giving current me a loan at a low interest, right? That's that's pretty pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah, I want to pay it back because that's future me's money. And so, what Nelson Nash, who's a, the founder of the Infinite Banking concept, says is, "Don't steal the peas from your own grocery store." Well, I'm paying it back on my terms. So at the flood, when I took the money for, for the loan, I didn't have to go and start paying that back right away. I, I waited several months until my other insurance uh, came through and I could pay back the loan, right? That's what I was going to ask. I guess when did the, the insurance yeah. come in? But yeah. yeah. You, just, you just think strategic. And the problem is most people are sleepwalking and they're not strategic. So thinking strategic, when is the best time to start an infinite banking policy? Uh, what I hear most people say, I should have started this 20 years ago, right? And you don't wait until you have $50,000 or $100,000 and now I'm rich, but start with where you're at. So you build the policy that works for you. You build a, a boat, like you build a properly designed vehicle. You know, you don't, you don't build a Tesla if you can only afford a Buick, right? You build a Buick. Uh, And so that's why you want to have the people that understand how these work and know that, Hey, we, the reason this isn't talked about is because guess what? We take commission cuts because we design it appropriately. We don't get as paid as heavily because of the design weight. Right. And that's why you don't hear about it because one, Wall Street doesn't want you to hear about it, right? Because they make money off of you losing money in the market. Um, you know, when they say $3 trillion lost, I'm like, that wasn't just lost. That was somebody's future. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The whole, the whole system is jacked up is what I'm saying. <laughs> and when you say jacked up, you mean What? I mean, look at it. Look at us. We are at a high inflation rate. We are, everything is falling apart. Our, our political system, right? Our uh, environmental system. You guys get to deal with the, the, all the crap, right? I mean, you yeah. guys are how old? 23, right? 24, 23, right? both of us. Yeah. Because what, what happened? We got off the, the gold standard. We became consumers. People spent more than they make. They aren't thinking logical. They say, well, I deserve a, a whatever. And they use a credit card. The banks then say, sure, I'll give it to you uh, at a cost. And we don't even think there's consequences to our actions. 
And what we have to realize is there are consequences to our actions. How do we best own the system and take 100% responsibility for everything? And most of the time in our world, it's saying, well, it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. It's this. And I don't know about you, but I believe there's going to be a lot more volatility in the market, uh, meaning challenges. Yeah. Then other side and volatility will screw up somebody's portfolio in a heartbeat. Yep. I guess also one comment I wanted to make, I've also had to explain to some people that, you know, if you have a credit card and you don't pay off the entire balance, once the cycle's over, there's going to be a larger like deficit of money in there. Like yeah, some people didn't even, or some people that I've spoken to didn't even know that interest means that you're getting, you're going to have to owe more next month than you actually originally owed on the card. So I was like, I I just don't understand how that, like I'm like, hello. Well, I think that Uh, comes down to, you know, we're taught to not really speak about money or be private about it because it's this scary, hard thing to navigate. Yeah. So I think when that comes into play, like you don't really talk and ask the questions that you need. So then you kind of put the blame on someone else that's managing your money because then you don't have to deal with the personal responsibility of making that mistake and losing yourself money. But when you spend a you know handful of years learning, making some failures, losing a little bit of money in the beginning, you're going to set yourself up for like major success, and that's what we always try to talk about on the podcast. Well, and even think about this: right now, the market is just going in a not so good directions, yeah. right? And we're told, um, don't look at it, don't even do any of that. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll fix itself. It'll go up and, and all of this. And, and I will tell you, and this might be going too far, but, uh, I like to go far. <laughs> Think about this. Uh, have you ever been or heard of somebody in an abusive relationship? They get, they're, they're getting beat up, right? Um, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? If, if, and, and I believe the market is almost like an abusive relationship. Oh, it's okay. It's been good for 20 years. You know, uh, don't worry about it. They're not going to have it. They're not going to do anything to you. Oh, you know, just keep going, keep going because they'll be fine next time. Right. Uh, if we were in a physical relationship like that, we would be told we are crazy. Right get out of that relationship. You're right. right. But yet we're conditioned to be in that place. And I think it's because, uh, it's the system we've, we've built and there's a lot of other players that want us to be in that system and we have to wake up. Right. Um, often, and you may make a lot of money, but, but it's kind of like the casino the house always wins um, and there's a lot of losers and I'd, I'd rather be the winner. So take responsibility. Yeah. That's what I'm telling everybody. Don't, don't just like say, I'm going to put money in a 401k and it'll all be fine. Actually know what the heck you're doing. I, I, I feel like with a lot of things, like there is more attention, I would say in the past, like couple of years, especially maybe since, um, the pandemic started where people are putting a bigger focus on financial education and stuff. Now, I, at least I think maybe, maybe that's like a very narrowed view of the people I associate, like spend time with. But, um, I feel like in general, people are more aware of what, where their money is going or what they're doing. Um, how it, their actions have consequences but i feel like at some point you're probably like in too deep where you can't really recover um do you i don't know i feel Uh, like i agree with what you're saying i i also feel like you know because we have the podcast and we're posting about this stuff and i'm sending you videos like one my social media algorithms because i only really use social media now for the podcast or to like educate myself and follow the right people so I feel like that has something to do with it. You know, when your sphere of influence is like constantly cultivating this, then you'll be more likely to see it. But I also, I feel like there are a lot of people that are starting or more people maybe than before that are starting to 
worry about financials and look into it. But I feel like there's an equal amount on the opposite end of the spectrum that are just continuously caring less. Like a lot of people in our generation just like do not know, are not budgeting, not managing their money, spending it all, going out all the time. And I feel like it's not like it's any different than the generation before, but because the cost of living have increased and the cost of education and we come out with much more debt, like it's just a, a recipe for disaster in my opinion. That's why all my friends but, and everyone my age, I try to tell them all this stuff as much as I can. And, and I think that here's the thing you will see the success in you guys versus them over the long term, Right. And we have to look at the long term thing and understanding if you guys are learning this, I wish I would have, I was like those other people. Uh, when I was in my twenties. Um, and if I learned that and implemented, not just learn, but implement the strategies yeah. and you will have failures, right? I'm not saying that that don't invest in the market or don't do that, but know what you're doing. And if you're, uh, really interested in real estate, you're going to analyze it and take calculated risks. Right. Um, but most people, are thinking no risk, no reward. Well, there's also the flip side of this is no take risk. a risk. You could lose a lot of money, right? It's uh, not always a reward. Uh, yeah. And so you want to balance that and build hedge your bets. That's why, again, I like the infinite banking. I can take risks, you know, by doing staff or whatever. That's still, I'm using my policy to invest in whatever it is. Uh, but I'm, I'm calculated and be more methodical. Right. Yeah. And obviously we have to think about ourselves, but I would like to bring as many people as I can with me on this journey. But the thing makes, uh, of of course, of course, I hope so. (laughs) But the, the other thing I was going to say is, um, like even in the past handful of years that I've really gotten into this every six months or so, I reevaluate how I'm like, you know, diversifying my money and my investments currently and if it makes sense and there are even times now like last week i did i was like you know what maybe i could change this about my strategy because now that i've learned these few new things it doesn't really make sense yeah so i feel like as long as you're also open to constantly looking back and reflecting and admitting like maybe this isn't the right way and i can make a change now and it would like these formative years are where you you can do those things and change up and and i think that's the problem that most people will not acknowledge. They're going to say, well, Dave Ramsey's right. I've been told this or this uh, infinite banking is, is crap because someone else said that. Right. And we do not question our own beliefs of why we believe what we are, do. We just parrot it and everyone's got to have their own plan. Yeah. And we reinforce our own things. But the thing is, is this has its place uh, the other things have its place. And that's why it's, it's hard for me in marketing because I don't have an enemy. I, I, the market is great as long as it has its place. Yeah. Right. But most of the time it, it's not the one-stop shop. Right. Of course. And you have to be able to be open. And that's why we, we created a thing from the chaos method. We created the still method. Right. And the still method is set your sights. Right. You have to actually have a, kind of a destination. And most people, as I do financial analysis, they have no idea. They just, I want to retire early. And I, I, it's all about the the big number at the end, but what kind of life do you want? How, what kind of, you know, setting your sights in five years, 10 years, how are you I want going to be towards that? How much cash right? flow do you want to have every month? Yeah. I think that's and, a bigger question. Cause usually that goal lets you know what you and, want to do with your life. Yeah. And cash flow is what you just said. That is the the question most people are saying. Well, I want this, and it's more about cash flow forever, not just yeah. Yep. You know, I I quit my job, I I fired, and then I, you know, I, it it went up in smoke because of the Fed or whatever. Um, so set your sights, track your in and out, inspect your progress, look for one percent adjustments, and live deliberately. If you do those five things re- regular, because the live deliberately is going to then move you back to set your sights, right? And you do that on a regular basis, you're going to win. Now, will you have failures? Absolutely. But 
tell me any business owner or entrepreneur who hasn't had failures. Can't yeah. I can't name a single one. <laughs> I think that so, that would be impossible, right? Um, but yeah, but we'll we'll tell them we'll we'll post the Instagram all the successes and say I want that without and I'm like no that's not the way it works but you know I think for every everything you attain you have to give something up in a way it yep. might not be directly but yeah and, you know. and that's why the setting your sights in order for me to be a good father right. I could be a billionaire, right? Maybe, right? Uh, as I pursue that, mm-hmm. but at what expense, right? And so it's not always about money either. Uh, too many people are just saying it's about money or I'm going to work like the fire movement. I'm going to work my crazy job that I hate to make all this money um, so I can eventually retire, right? Or or retire early to, to get out of the job I hate. Well. No, you got to have to enjoy the process. You got to enjoy the process along the way, but you just got to have a plan too. Yeah. I mean, same same with real estate, do a good real estate deal. That's all that. Yeah. I've actually been, I'm prepping now to get into my first, uh, my first property, first investment property. I got, I got my, I'm, I'm going to be technically a real estate investor, uh, in a month because I'm using my life insurance policy to fund most of the the loan i'm doing some some of the loan personally but i'm owning it and then my business is the land or i'm the landlord this is again using different hats thinking Uh, i'm the landlord but my business is the renter and my business is going to rent from me and then i'll have created another asset that i'm going to then use because i'll pay back the policy and I'm going to reuse that money again to be going to syndication or something yeah. else. I'm not sure yet. So, so you're using, yeah, you're yourself. using, yeah, you're just paying yourself really, but you're also creating a form of like cash flow as well from exactly. the rent, right? Out of, yeah. Like you're, you're extracting the cash flow out of your business directly into yourself. So you don't, that's one way you don't have to worry about like forcing the money out of the business and profit, right? Yeah. It'll be part of my OPEX when I mentioned OPEX instead yeah. of me renting office space that I don't have control over my business. I now own it and, and then I'm paying it back to me and I can create the the cash flow and build the equity. And let's say we get a, a crisis, right? I could make the terms of service and say, you don't know where the rent is three months. I could do that. I'm not probably going to do that if you need to, but but I think like again, thinking strategic, and that's why again, using infinite banking, people love to hate on it, but it works. It's it's again, we use HELOCs, right? Yep. The we use a HELOC, and we say, well, I'm using that as the uh, asset, and I'll use that to buy something else, like a whatever. The only difference between a HELOC, I think, one's on the home, one's it, on you. Yeah. It's the only difference. Why? Okay, so why is that cool, but not the other? I don't see the anyway. You're right. No, I actually don't fully get why that it's not more commonly looked at. But I feel like it could have to do with you know the idea that it, it's only for people that are wealthy, and the wealthy people and Wall Street control the narrative. Why would they want you to understand this? And why even an education system? Why would they teach people going to college how money works whenever they make a lot of money off of you being in, in debt with student loans? Yeah. That, that's where they get their, their money from. They want you to when, anyway. I guess one, one question that slipped my mind before. Um, so when you're using your uh, whole life to you know borrow from it and then mm-hmm. put towards other assets, what percent of your total account value in the whole life can you use as a loan or the whole amount or the, the value of the actual life insurance itself? Like, yeah. So I think about it in two ways. You have your death benefit and then you have your cash value, right? Okay. Yeah. And eventually this is, is where Dave Ramsey says, well, you're take it. It's not, how do you not get both at the same time? You're in you know, a, whatever the, it's kind of like equity in your home, right? 
eventually yeah. you put the equity in, it'll equal the, the value, right? Okay. You paid yeah. off the loan. Well, eventually on a policy, your death benefit and your cash value will equal the same. It'll probably be at age 100 or 121, but they will be the same, right? What you're doing is taking that advance from that. And as you're putting in, you can access 85 to 90% of your cash value. So if you were to uh, almost like your line of credit, you can access 85 to 95% of that number. So you wouldn't be able to access, you know, I have a $100,000 death benefit. It's whatever you kind of put in in the cash value component. Um, but okay, you want to, again, work with somebody who understands how these systems work using the properly designed uh, policies that are mutually owned, uh, run for, I'm a bank and yourself anal- uh, person. So there's only 200 of us that, that know how to use it, right? We use certain companies because they do certain things, right? Mutually owned, non-direct recognition uh, that have that low interest loan component. And I'm not using it with an IUL where it's tied to the market. I want to have it non-correlated. It, is it right? just like a? It's more like a savings that you're able to yeah. at that point, or is it still Pretty, growing at like a set rate? It, it will grow. Uh, there's the guarantee side, and then there's the dividend side, right? Or non-guarantee side. So they don't guarantee dividends, right? But uh, the companies we've worked with—that's with any company, right? Yeah. Um, but the companies we've worked with have paid dividends for over. 120 years. Right. Um, and so I've, I've even looked at my own policies and said, is this lined up with what they said? And the funny thing is they're pretty, pretty, uh, on track exactly actually to the penny. Uh, I'm like, wow, that is crazy because they understand the law of large numbers they're doing. They, they've built a, a, a great, uh, business model. You're just using their business model to advance yours. I guess I'm kind of just asking myself why why isn't everyone using it? But but I I think that again, there's so many people who just copy Dave Ramsey or copy whatever they've heard. Their, or their even, parents or their boss or the yeah. other person I mean, that's in their circle. I mean, you think about it. Um, if you we we know that Walmart and some other people have um, kind of done a lot of bad things, right, in our in our world as far as like local economy and those kind of things, right? And I'm not saying that Walmart is bad or good, right? But if you're getting paid by Walmart, right, you're not going to say Walmart sucks as much as, you know, uh, even though you you know, right? It, and that that's the hard part in our world. We, we're getting paid by certain things so that will influence yeah what we think so it's kind of like at you're some right. point if you're big enough you just have so much influence because you have directly affect so many people's lives yeah no one no one has a complaint against amazon be, uh, a lot of times because god forbid we can't get our thing in two seconds before we ordered it right um we, anyway. yeah, no, that I feel like Amazon especially was just a big changer because before I remember having to wait a week for a package or like five, five days, it, the normal was what, four to five days, three to five days. Now you get yeah. it the next day or within two days. <laughs> if it comes in two days, you're like, damn, that took a while. <laughs> I mean, think about it uh, again, our system, our world. Yeah. You know, uh, 50 years ago, it'd take months, Right. I don't know. Uh, it's all relative. <laughs> well, yeah, but, we haven't been around for that long, so we don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're we're used to the just the last, I guess, cycle of shipping. But, and that that's the immediate gratification that the yeah, banks yeah. have given us, right? Credit cards. I want it without the effort, right? Or and I want it without actually having the funds yeah. to pay for it right now. And that's part of like why I think the policies and why people don't think infinite banking is the thing because we don't like to wait, right? But if if we've built a good system 
and we we realize it's the long game, not the short game that we're playing. That's that's the power, right? So I guess do you also use your life insurance as like a saving? Yep. Like, do you keep a savings or do you not even need that now? Because you could always take a loan out if you need yeah. an emergency fund or something at a, a low rate. While yeah. while you don't need it, it's also growing in the account. Yeah, that's a great question and why I use YNAB, right? So thinking about my medium-term and long-term expenses, taxes, for example, yeah. um, I will keep three months of cash on hand, really. In my, basically, it's in my in my bank account, right? Yeah. Uh, just available just in case. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then most of my money is going through my policy as I budget. I think about it even here. Um, a, um, when you, when you have to do taxes for, um, a property, right. Um, I forget what it's called. Why am I going blank? Um, escrow, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, escrow, well, I sell escrow, right? So what I do, and escrow comes once a year. So I save into that, right? And then I'll take a loan from my policy to pay back, do my escrow, maybe, uh, sometimes, right? Or I might have my three months. It's it's always moving, right? Yeah. But, but I am budgeting for everything. I have bad money, meaning my fund money that I put in. I have my emergency fund in case the house needs new roof, right? But I put it all through my policy and I'll allocate it instead of just having a, a you know, whatever emergency fund and this fund. Um, not all things happen at the same time. So I'll use it and I'll, I'll budget it. I'll budget my cash value, right? And I budget it all of my cash value, but I'm using it for buying a building right now. So I guess like once it's in your, once it's cash value in your whole life policy, are you're taking some of it and then would you like, you can take some of that money and then put it in the market, some of it, mm-hmm. or like, I guess the one gap that I'm trying to fill is, is all that money going into like the market and then you're, like borrowing against it or is it like money that's in there and then you're allocating it differently while it's in there buying other assets and it's just under the policy. Uh, so, so one thing I think about is it's, it's not just like using it into like, what do you call it? Again, the IUL where I'm putting it into stocks or something like that. Yeah. Um, I am thinking systematically about it and using it for, um, certain things, right? So whether it's taxes, uh, an opportunity or, or something like that. So one example that I think about is my podcast producer said, if I pay up front, I will give you 20% off two months free. Right. So I didn't have the money just sitting in cash. Right. I I didn't want to do that actually, uh, because I could have, but, uh, but I used my policy. Then I paid it, paid it back. And because of, of having that ability, I made a 20% ROI just off of, of having the ability to access, right? You knew you at that point you already wanted to or needed that service. Yeah. So you just went and got a 20%. 20% because he just gave yeah. it to me. And it's a ability to be able to do those things and thinking it's not just rate of return in a, in a uh, 401k or whatever. It's, it's looking holistically about what do we want to do. Right. And some might be investing in staff or buying a building or um, doing crypto. Right. Uh, You could take a loan and, you know, the cost of using that money, 5 percent simple, and you put it in to crypto and maybe you did it in, in a few years ago and you hit it big. Right. The downside, though, is you put it in. Uh, you know, about two months ago and you lost it all, right? Yeah. Well, that's on you. You still own the, still Take own the, risk the on. policy, uh, but it could have been a great rate of return and you didn't really do anything differently except having access. Yeah. And I guess um, 
one like overarching question I have about infinite banking is I know like there are all of these different ways where you are kind of your own customer, mm-hmm. but where, like, what is the input of money? Like, where does the money come from? If, uh, are there multiple streams for the insurance company or yeah. for you for, I guess, I guess both, but mostly for you. Yeah. So, so again, I think there's two ways of thinking about it. Um, you still need to make money, right? You're, you're, you're buying uh, a policy, right? And mm-hmm. if you have a car, right? If you do not, or more, or a mortgage for that matter, if you do not make money, the bank is going to come at you and say, let me take that house back, please. Um, because you're not paying your mortgage, right? Yeah. So, so as much as you can increase income, that's where some of it, it's the premium, right? Inflow. Uh, and that's why I have multiple policies because my income was lower five, seven years ago versus where, where I'm at now. Right. So yeah. you can't alter a policy once it's been created. You'd have to just go and make another one. Yeah. So that's where you have, you work with a um, person that understands this kind of thing and why I do a full financial analysis with my clients, like asking dreams and goals and concerns, uh, cash flow, asking what's your debts, what's your liabilities? Oh, you're overpaying on a credit card. Why? Uh, most people are doing $20 over and they think they're going to get ahead. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You got to think more systematic. So doing those full financial analysis really gives me an idea of what kind of policy, like again, that car thing, do I want to build a Hummer or do I want to build a a Buick? Right. Um, And that's going to tell me what kind of policy to build and thinking long range. So then let's say you guys are doing great. You start off small in this and the podcast and everything grows and you're making a uh, hundred thousand a month, right? Well, that, that boat is not going to be as efficient. You're still yeah. going to fund the boat. You're still going to keep it going, but then you start another one, a bigger boat, a bigger boat, right? A, a small yacht. Yeah. The, <laughs> the downside is, and why I say start now is as you age, the cost of the boat is going to get more, right? Cause you get older. Uh, you might have okay. diabetes or something like that. So uh, there's always that cost of insurance that we want to mitigate. So if you have uh, like an autoimmune disorder or something like you, do you have to get a health like report or they have to pull your health files before you get the policy and that correlates to the how you pay for it? Yeah, I mean, they, they are in the game of law of large numbers. Yeah, so they're and, trying to take on all these policies, hoping yeah. that long-term it'll make them money because that when they have to pay out the policy. And and I want to make sure they're doing that stuff because profitability and dividends, if they're getting people that all have type 2 diabetes and they're going to die tomorrow, that's not going to be good they're for They're going to lose all their money, yeah. And I'm not going to get dividends. Um so I want them to do that and think strategically. So then you start, because here's the thing, you guys are young. When you get to be my age, getting into your BMI weight is a lot harder. Um, right. Yeah. And then there's all these bad habits, right? We've been eating McDonald's for longer than you guys have. Um, yeah. you know, so <laughs> no, yeah, I've been trying to be proactive about cutting those things out and improving my life recently. Yeah. Just for the long term, but also I have an autoimmune condition. I have Crohn's disease. Yeah. So I've had to, And here's the fun part. Let's say you have that. It doesn't mean that you can't be the, uh, and I don't know what, what they would do with, with that. I haven't really researched that, Yeah. but it doesn't mean that you can't be the owner of a policy. You might not be able to be the insured, Right. Okay. But you can insure somebody else. That's where key man insurance and, and okay. other factors play in 
to uh, doing policy design, right? Because here's the thing, and you guys are business partners, right? Um, yep. Like insuring the other person, you know, you don't want to end up getting the spouse as the business partner sometimes. Um, and so it protects and builds. And you just have to, again, think street creative and strategic taxes all of those things play a part there's so many different avenues and ways to it's just about getting that edge really more Mm -hmm. than anything finding your edge and then trying to execute on top of that right exactly that's all it is uh the problem and you'll see most people they um they are sleeping at the wheel and the ones that are dominators are the ones that are thinkers and yeah. dominators. Yep. Well, yeah, it's also like this, none of this stuff is easy by any means, but it's not like it's rocket science either. People think that I, I keep, I kept seeing this circled around on social media and Twitter and different investors saying that, you know, people have this idea that those who are wealthy or successful in these spaces are like really smart or something. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are, they're smart, but they're not geniuses. They just figured out a plan and a method and then stuck to it. Yep. And they, they like, it's they, more the idea that it's for everybody can do it if they really committed to it. And they, some of them might've had a rich relative that helped them. Well, who knows? Um, but most of the time, it's they kept getting up, you know, it's like they yeah. were Rocky Balboa or something. I don't know. They kept fighting. Uh, and that's the thing that you'll see. Um, you know, even when I think about YouTube right now and and all these people that started in 2020 um, starting YouTube channels and now they're dead channels because they gave up. Right. Yep. Maybe they were just on the other, uh, just about to make it. Who knows? It's just one episode, one video, one clip that that can get that ball really rolling. And that's what I think people don't realize. Like, yes, in a lot of ways, it's going to be a gradual build, but there's going to be that one thing that kind of sets you off and gets things really going. And that could be, yeah, like you said, tomorrow, next week. Yeah, that's the still method. That was 1% adjustments. You never know what that'll do. That's what I've been enjoying about the podcast since we've got it going in this groove too is like every couple of weeks we'll find something that we could use to like help our process and improve it. Like we just added a couple of automations into our booking and stuff. So the next episode that gets booked, will automate some things on that end and make it easier for us and eliminate some work too. So, or we, you know, we're now we're starting to do video content. We, once we realized we got the audio down and that whole process, and now we're going to offer YouTube. Yeah. So it's just little, well, and, little and- things. And I will tell you, and I don't want to keep going on this because I know we got to cut it. Yeah, we'll but, cut it. Um, think about this. Um, most of us, when we go into it, we compare ourselves with an adult, right? As, as far as a business. Yeah. Right. And I have a four-year-old. Uh, my business is four-year-olds. So when you start a business or have a child, you got to wipe their butt. You got to do a lot of crap that you're just like, really is this ever going to end can i ever sleep right and that's the way a business is and their cycles it grows right until you have a four-year-old that's kind of doing every doing its own thing but but you still need to make sure they don't burn the house down uh those kind of things yeah until it becomes a teenager and you're like holy crap and then you build the business and you're not even there but yet it's giving you and and that's uh, the business is almost like a, a, a individual. And that's, that's a good way to- why, why I like the the policy is because my business will evolve, but I want to have some stability that I can use as I evolve and my business evolves. Um, but it's really a baby. And it's an act of love in the beginning. And you're like, what did I get myself into? Well, you know. This is kind of the way, I, I mean, again, thinking badly, well, you, you you slept with her, you got this thing, you are responsible for it. Um, you know, same, same mind yeah. in the business, right? 
I, I like that comparison. No, it, it's yeah, true. It's true. Analogy. Because earlier on, that's when you have to do more of the active work. And then as time goes on, it becomes a little more hands off and you're just providing more guidance and advice than anything. But it, but you as the, the parent, uh, I, I've had staff and I've had stupid staff. Um, and I, I tell people, take when, I, when somebody came to me and they were asking about um, their a staff issue that happened. They were like, it's not your fault. You weren't even there. I was like, I hired. It's the still guy. my responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Take 100% responsibility for everything. Well, yeah. I've, I've also, you know, I was also someone, I think I might've brought this up on a podcast before, before I really started making these changes in my life and being committed to learning this stuff. Uh, I was always the person that if something went wrong, I'd find an excuse as to why, take the blame off myself and put it on someone else. Like, Oh, I didn't do well on this test. Like, you know, the teacher didn't prepare us well, or, you know, I didn't get, I didn't make this money that I thought I wanted to. Oh, like it, the circumstances didn't work out. It just wasn't meant to be at the end of the day. All you're left with is a a bucket full of excuses and no results. So I realized that that's not really uh, the outcome that I want. So I started just taking responsibility for everything. No, that's, really- the, that's the world we're in, right? Everybody plays victim and blames, we'll blame Trump, we'll blame Biden, we'll blame, you know, Jerome Powell and, you know, yeah. uh, everybody else. In and reality, like, yeah, you know. you're not in control of the Fed. It was yep. clear as day is what they were doing and really what was coming. Yep. Did you prepare for that well or did you not? Yep. And if you didn't, what at least figure out what mistakes you made and what you can make sure you don't do the next time. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. And most people will play the victim again and, and again. again, going back to the abusive relationship and say, Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're in the relationship. You know? Yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. I liked your analogies. Today. <laughs> I, yeah. I appreciate it. And, and the acronyms. It really helped. This is solid, solid education. For myself, I try. Well. I, try. I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't say I know a lot, but I've, I've the school of hard knocks. I've learned a bit. So, <laughs> yeah. Was there any other closing comments you wanted to make? Did you want to, you know, plug any services, social media? Yeah, I think the main thing is, you know, if you if you want to take control of your financial life, uh, our business name is is changing. We're we're moving it, but uh, right now it's Grandma's Wealth Wisdom. If you go to Grandma's Wealth Wisdom, you want to talk to us, do a free financial analysis, go there, schedule a meeting with me. I'd love to chat with anybody and help them think through if infinite banking and it will play a part usually, but like how will it play a part in your your role or in your finances? Uh, And then be be a learner. Go to Wealth Wisdom Financial. We have our own podcast. Uh, We are... Uh, big thinkers. So we think a lot about things. So we did a recent episode of uh, weapons of math destruction um, and looking at how that works. So, so we have a wealth wisdom financial podcast and YouTube channel. So go subscribe on our YouTube channel and then um, go to stillmethod.com, stillmethod.com and download the playbook. There will be a book um, once my wife has her CFP, uh, we'll work on the book. Um, she's almost done with the CFP. It'll be in November, but, um, awesome. Uh, then we'll write a book. It's all, it's all here and it's all in, it's all in podcast form in your other contents. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere else. It just needs to be, um, put into a book now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks well, congrats or early congrats to your wife and um i feel i feel like so your your goal now like what like i know just right before we finish up i know you said you have to have like some um like some goal in the midterm the long term like do you think right now uh you are doing what you're tr- doing, what you think you need to be doing to reach that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're all like evolving as people. Right. And so our goals and everything changes over time. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you want to reassess, right? Am I going towards the goals? Oh, wait, is that goal actually relevant anymore? Oh, I don't care about that goal anymore. Um, and, and you change, right? Um, I am in the business of really, I see people running into roadblocks all the time. I see people seriously uh, screwed, right? And I really want to help younger people uh, not go in the same situation that their parents did or other things. Uh, and so educating, even if I don't make a ton of money, if, if I've saved and helped one person, you know, a life insurance policy, literally, I don't know the impact it's going to have. Uh, you don't know the impact it's going to have. Somebody might start a policy and they died the very next day, right? Afterwards, who, who knows? But they had kids, I don't know what that impact's going to be, but I, yeah. but I know that what we do and why it's so powerful is dude. Uh, it, it is really important because we, we only have one planet and one life to live. So let's, let's give it everything. Yeah. I think yeah. also as you start to, you know, get farther and farther along the journey of financial independence, it's more about just helping everyone around you do the same, less about, trying to profit off everyone because you already have your cash flow and your models. Yep. So, and I don't think I'll ever retire personally, uh, because I'm like, yeah, you're happy in what you're doing. And uh, I'm, I'll probably mentor. We'll create an agency that will have sub agents and things like that. Uh, we love to, to teach and communicate apparently, cause this is a long episode, <laughs> um, but like, you know, that's, that's part of what we do. And what I want to do is say, you know, help people think for themselves and, and, you know, don't just listen to CNN or Fox and, and think, you know, but yeah. Well, uh, Brandon, thank you so much for a very educational episode. As you said, um, John, do you have, do you want to say anything? Yeah. I was just going to say, thank you so much. Uh, I learned a lot. I, there, there's something in here that you got to, if you're listening to this right now, you got to take something from here. Uh, even if it's just taking all the information around you and think for yourself, develop your own opinion. No one's looking out for your best interests. So you need to do that for yourself. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure to include the, the information you shared. And at the end of the episode too, make sure to look out for Brandon's content and uh, yeah, you want me to wrap it up? Uh, sure. All right. So you guys know where to reach us. Black Box Podcast, no A in the black on Instagram and Twitter. Black Box Podcast with an A in the black on TikTok. Uh, Thank you again, Brandon. Thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye.